0: At this moment, right now, are you ready for Jesus to return? If right now the sky split open and you heard the trumpet sound with the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ rising, would it be a matter of rejoicing? Or would it be something for you to recoil in fear? Would it be a matter of consternation? The second coming is something that will assuredly happen. The day of judgment will assuredly happen, and it comes to each of you. Some years ago, during the Cold War, there was the constant threat of Nuclear war in this country, where there was something of a constant, uh, constant awareness that at any time there could be nuclear war, and you can look back and, it, for many of us, it's, it's a forgotten thing. Many of us were not alive during that time. Some of you remember it firsthand: the civil defense and uh, being uh, being familiar with uh, the Geiger counters and the dosimeters and. And all of those things to try to, what do you do in the case of a nuclear war? What do you do? How do you, where would be a safe zone? Where would it be best to flee to? How far would the fallout go? What do you do with the sickness that would come for those who were exposed to radiation? All of those things. I remember uh, seeing a book in the library. It It was set up almost like a children's comic book that, that dealt with the, how how you would um, how you you would react and where you would go and the family goes into the basement and they they deal with all of the they're safe from the blast but then afterwards they're affected and get sick from the radiation but it was it was a very real thing and during the cold wars it was there was a constant it was it was almost like there was a threat constantly from the sky death and but it was, it was a localized thing, wasn't it? it was, there were certain areas that would be safe, others less so. It was something that might happen. And there was great preparation for what might happen, what could happen. This, what we're looking at today, is certainly going to happen. And it will certainly be real and true for each of you. So you must be ready for Christ at his coming. Whether you are ready for death or you are one of those privileged to live until Christ returns, you must be ready. It appears that this section, as we look at this, the context of where we're at, it appears that this section is, is still part of the same uh, discourse that Jesus had. He's still teaching the disciples here. We've been looking at this, uh, this long section of Jesus' teaching. He has been teaching the, using the time to teach his disciples primarily, his followers. But there is a large crowd that's, that's still here. And so many people are hearing this. But Jesus is directing it to his disciples. And so as we've been looking, he's been warning about uh, hypocrisy. Warning against the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't do that. Don't be like that. Don't have external religion while internally you are far from God. Acknowledge Christ before men. Those who acknowledge him before men, he will acknowledge before the Father and before the angels. And for those who acknowledge Christ, he says, don't be covetous. There is that interruption from that man who doesn't appear to be paying any attention to what Jesus is saying and is thinking more about the inheritance that he really wishes that he had. And he's mad at his brother for not splitting it. And so Jesus uses that as a, as a springboard to, to speak to the things of this earth. We, we are physical creatures. And so we think about physical things. What is it that we need right now? He said, don't be covetous. Don't put your trust in the things of this world. And he used the parable of the rich fool who had his trust in his storage barns, who had his trust in, in what he had gathered together, and he had his bank accounts were set up. He had provision for many, uh, many years. Then what happened? God said, you fool. Tonight your soul is required of you. For him, that was the time. And he was unprepared. He had focused on himself. He was not ready. Then Jesus went further on that. If you're not supposed to be jealous of these things, covetous of the things of this world, and putting your trust in them, not only don't put your trust in them, don't worry about them. Don't be anxious Don't fill your mind with worry about the things of this world. Instead, you seek the things that are above. You seek the things of the kingdom. Because God knows what you need and He will provide. And what He provides will be good. It will be what you need whether it's little or much. You remember from last week when Jesus said, Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he gives those comforting words. But now he moves on into a strong uh, admonition. He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. He's pressing this home. The necessity of these things. Not only are you not to be anxious and not to be focused on the things of this life, you are to be ready for Christ to come. You are to be ready for the master to return. You're to be ready for his words of judgment to be put into the balance The certainty of Christ's return has actually been sometimes disputed. Whether things will just continue on or whether Christ will come again. It's actually been disputed since the days of the apostles. If you read in the New Testament, you'll notice a couple places where the apostles have to deal with people lying about Christ's return. One of those places is... In 2 Thessalonians, where someone had written a letter and, and forged Paul's name, I had to actually put Paul's name to it and said that it was, or at least from the apostles, and um, said that, that uh, well, I'll just read it for you. Now, uh, this is from 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. It's already happened. That's actually something that the Jehovah's Witnesses still say. Uh, they, They actually say that it happened in, I think, 1914 and they they, of course they they don't believe Jesus rose they don't believe he rose physically he rose spiritually and so then the second coming wouldn't have been something you could physically see it was a a spiritual second coming in um, 1914 uh, Peter also had to deal with this of people scoffers scoffers coming and saying where is the promise of his coming since the Fathers fell asleep. Everything is continuing as it was. Same way as it's been. As it's always been. Same thing today. Nothing changes. Nothing's going to happen. Just live your life. But this is something that is well attested in scripture. Jesus himself attesting to his return. He will come again. He will come again. He will come to take his people. He will come to judge the wicked. All people will be put in the balance. Don't be weighed and found wanting. Jesus says to his disciples in John 14 some very comforting words. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. The angels taught that Jesus was coming again. When... uh, when Jesus ascended back into heaven, and all the, the his followers, Jesus's followers, were uh, standing there watching him go, he disappears into the clouds. In, in Acts one, the angels, the these shining beings, are are there beside them, and say, "Why are you still looking up?" While they're gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This is Jesus. Who is, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Last week we looked at Paul comforting. Or actually, it was a couple of weeks ago. Paul comforting the people. Telling believers to encourage one another with the second coming. That Jesus is coming again. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the air. We are to encourage one another with these words. So it's something that is well attested in scripture by Jesus, by the angels, by the apostles. It will come and you will know when it comes. Now as far as when is it going to happen... That's what everybody wants to know. That's the million-dollar question, sometimes multi-million-dollar question, depending if you have a big enough platform. That is that is something that people want to know. And so you have you have books on it. You have fiction written. You have uh, you know, just a few years ago, I guess what? Eight years ago, now we had uh, Mr. Camping telling. Predicting when it would come, and that it was trying to give an exact date. You have uh, you have books predicting. A, what is it? Uh, I think it was 2014. The four blood moons were supposed to uh, supposed to be bringing in the uh, ushering in the second coming. So there's all sorts of predictions, and it, it actually, if you do it right, you can make money in doing it. But This isn't something that's all at all clear in Scripture. God didn't write Revelation as a book to be decoded, or any of the apocalyptic literature. Jesus, Jesus didn't give the Olivet Discourse as a way to decode history and figure out the date. God deliberately gave us enough information to say this is going to happen. It will happen. It is coming. It might be in your lifetime. It might not be. He gave us something that is deliberately applicable to every generation of Christians. And so these words of Jesus are applicable today to you, just as they were to the disciples that Jesus originally delivered them to. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men waiting for their master to come home. He's been out on a journey. He's been out on his honeymoon. And he's coming home. When is he coming back? They don't know. They're just to be ready and waiting. They're to have the house in order. Have done what he told them to do. Their chores are done. They have kept up with the work. Saying dress for action is uh, uh, an old term. Girding up your loins. Um, in the old days, uh, it's in that culture too, I suppose uh, they had tunics, and so you had to tie them in a certain way. You had to you had to be ready if you were going to run, if you're going to do more uh, strenuous activity, something more than walking. You had to get your tunic out of the way, or you you couldn't run. You couldn't be as active. And so it's. It's a way of dressing yourself for action. Getting ready, being ready, staying ready. You're not going to go out and jog a marathon in your Sunday suit. He says, be ready. Be ready for the coming of the Master. Be ready for the day of judgment. We're already living in the end times. We looked at that when we, uh, over a year ago now, we went through the book of 1 John. John said, 1 John 2, that these are the last times in his day. The last time is a long time. We've been here for a while. So yes, these are the end times, whether Jesus comes now or a thousand years from now, does doesn't make a difference. These are the end times, and you must be ready. I think that the the focus on trying to figure out the day and the hour, trying to put something on the calendar, is often a distraction. It's often a distraction. It's something that you can do. You You can look at the Scripture. You can study the Scripture. You can be really delving into it, but it doesn't really affect your life that personally. What Jesus says, what Jesus is teaching here is not to figure out the day and the hour when the master is coming back. It's to be ready for when the master returns. God never promised a crown and white robes to those who, Figure out the day and the hour when the Son of Man will return. To those who persevere, the robe is promised. All who are not ready will be held accountable. All who are not ready will be held accountable. Peter, after hearing this, says, who are you talking to? Is this just for us? Are we the ones that are just supposed to be ready? And Jesus, as he often does, doesn't answer directly. He answers in a parable. He goes on uh, in verse uh, 42. The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give give them their portion of food at their proper time? Now, what, the scenario here is that, again, the master is going out, on a, he's leaving for a while. Now he's going to set somebody in, he chooses a man to be set in, in uh, as a manager. He's taking care of things. And we don't have something exactly like this, uh, but they are expectant, uh, they're, they're waiting for the master to give them their daily food. So it's, more, it's almost more like a, a feudal, uh, feudal ward where you'd have the, the peasants were all waiting. They, if they were to have food, it had to be given them by their master. They didn't have, you know, today we have paychecks. And so this, is, this man is, it's like he's in charge of making sure everyone gets their paychecks. Because if you don't have a paycheck, well, you can't go to the grocery store and pick up food. And so he comes, this one is supposed to be taking care of everyone. He's in charge. So if they're going to live, if they're going to survive, if they're going to have what they need, this man has to give it to them. So it's an important job. It's important work. Jesus says that for the one blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing, doing what he was told to do when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and to drink and to get drunk. The master, of that servant will come. will come on a day when he does not expect him. In an hour, he will, does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Notice that it's the same man. It's two scenarios for the same servant. This one man is put in charge. If he is faithful, he will be rewarded. He will be given more responsibility if he is unfaithful. If he takes advantage of the master not coming right away, if he gets to the point where he thinks, well, the master is just not going to come. I rule this place and becomes a petty tyrant. The master will come. Eventually, he will come at the right time and he will find him doing being unfaithful, being cruel. So it really it really is a way of pressing this home to you. What will you do? You can't just wiggle out of this one, and, well, that's, the, that's for the really bad people. They're really cruel people, and, of course, I'm not like that, uh, so I don't need to worry about this. But instead, it presses it home. If he does this, he will be given more responsibility. If he does this, he will be judged. This applies to everyone. To everyone who is given. And Jesus gives it, he, he pushes this even farther as he says, not only is this one who is given responsibility, who is told what to do, this one will be given, he says, a severe beating. Then he includes even the nations that haven't heard. He said, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will, deserve, will receive a light beating. So even the ones that haven't heard, even the ones who haven't been there sitting under Jesus' preaching, hearing the message of the gospel, Even they, because they have suppressed the truth and unrighteousness, even they will be punished. Although their punishment will be different. You notice that. The punishment is different depending on how much instruction. How much knowledge was given. There is responsibility. There will be a gradation of punishment. Where do you think you fit? Those who have been instructed? Those who have been given knowledge of the gospel? Or those who are without instruction? We live in a time, right now, is in all of history, the greatest access to the most people of knowledge about Christ. Good, material, knowledge of the Bible. We have translations coming out of our ears of Scripture. There are ways of making even the original languages accessible to laymen who haven't studied the original languages. We have tools upon tools upon tools. You can fit an entire library into your pocket on your phone. We have books upon books. We have, we have been able to. We're, we're the recipients of, of really what the purifying effect, the filtering effect of many godly saints who have gone on before us. They've looked at it. They have studied it. And over the years, over hundreds of years, there's been a filtering out and a filtering out of the chaff of doctrinal taff, what is worthless. Even the, the Nicene Creed. That's a result of the first few hundred years of Christianity, as they looked to the scripture and they studied and they distilled that, that understanding that, that basic understanding of God, and that's we're the recipients of that. We're not having to go and hash out together who is Jesus Christ. What are the two natures? Is he? Does he have two natures? We don't have to sit there and and spend our time trying to discover the Trinity. Whether it's biblical or not. We have the study done for us. You have it done. Are you? Accessing? Are you using it? You see, we're going to be judged based on the knowledge, the access that we have. That's a rather terrifying thought. I was reminded of um, of Augustine in his uh, in his conversion. Augustine was he lived a pretty terrible life, um, immoral man. Who became one of the uh, the great scholars uh, of the church, yeah, and who we still respect, and and just just an amazing mind. Um, but in his in his uh, conversion, his mother had been praying for him for a long time, and um, he just he hadn't been been able to come to God in an honest way. And he was uh, one day out in the in the yard, and he was crying he was he wanted to find God but he couldn't he couldn't come to him he couldn't he just he could find no peace and so as he was tormented in soul that he hear, hears a child's voice from a neighboring house saying take up and read take up and read tole legne, tole legne. And it was God used that child's voice, and he, he said, "I don't know what the child was doing. It seemed odd for a child to be saying, take up and read, take up and read." But he did. He went immediately and took up the scripture and read. And God used his living and powerful word for his salvation at that time. And then he be, then began his, his study and writing I think this this is something that we can remember a motto that we can remember this can apply throughout the Christian experience take up and read if you are not a believer if you are not secure in Christ take up and read the scripture this is god's living and active word Take up and read. If you're a believer who is immature, you have the scripture, you have tools to help, you have other books, take up and read. If you're a seasoned saint, if you are mature in Christ, there are so many materials that can help you, That not, not just commentaries, but books where where you can access really the heart of another believer that and all of these different ways in which believers have come closer and closer to Christ and they can bring to you some of the beauty of heaven take up and read sometimes i fear that i myself will be found in the nosebleeds of heaven for all the time wasted All the hours spent on useless things. When God has given riches. God has provided us. Provided you with great riches. Are you dressed for action? Are you keeping your lamps burning? Are you pursuing this? As though your life depends on it. How important is this to you? You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All who are ready will be rewarded by Christ himself. You see that in the in the first section, in that first parable. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. This is weird. The servants being told to rest by the master. Coming and serving them, the, the term there is, is the same uh, word, Greek word, that we get the word deacon from. To wait at table. You actually see this, Jesus doing something very similar to this one in the upper room with the disciples. And Peter saying, "No, no, 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 this is all wrong. You're our Lord, you're our master, our rabbi. What are you doing? Washing our feet. Jesus Christ himself serves his people. He is serving now. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He didn't just say my work on earth is done. I've done the cross thing. Now I'm done. I'm going back. He still had the scars. He came back for Thomas. We serve a loving God. This can only add to the condemnation of those who reject Christ. Jesus who has given himself. Jesus who has continually given himself. Who has continually been providing the knowledge of God. The knowledge of the gospel that he, the way of salvation that he made. And he patiently bears with people how can this not add to the condemnation of those who reject him everyone who has the Bible who has the scriptures and has access to all of this will be held to a higher standard you cannot plead ignorance on the day of judgment But for those who are ready, Jesus Christ himself will give you rest. He promises, not only will you be clothed in white and be given crowns, he will give added responsibility. Added responsibility for these ones, this one, this servant here who, was ready for his master to come, he says, truly I say to you, I will set him over all my possessions. And then at the end there, that last verse, but to the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating, he will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required, and of him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. You've been entrusted with much. It's impossible to say exactly what this looks like in eternity, but we are given some little windows. Jesus said in the letters to the churches, he says to the one who overcomes, I will give him to sit with me on my throne. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that we will judge angels? There's a responsibility that comes along with this. Responsibility, more responsibility will be given. And so you are responsible to use the gifts that God has given. The knowledge that God has given. The mind that God has given. Each of you have different gifts. You have different ways in which God has designed you to be of service in the church. Of service in his kingdom. God has made each one unique with unique gifts, and all of us, each of you, has a different way that you are to serve. So what is that? And are you doing it? Are you using the gifts that He has given? You are responsible to keep your own candle burning until the Master returns. Keep your lamp burning. Are you doing it? It's easy to get tired. To get used to life. To focus on the physical. Sometimes it seems like. uh, The way your body ages. And and, uh, get aches and pains. And senses become dulled. It seems like. The same thing can almost happen to your soul. As the taste buds begin to dull. It's in a similar way. Christ himself can become. Less flavorful. Less savory. To your soul. As the eyes. Don't focus quite as well on the newspaper. So after being a Christian for some time, your sight of Christ can grow dim. You can grow weary. But this isn't how you're created. Your soul is able to grow and to be more keen. Even as the years go on and your body fails, your soul can become more lively, closer to Christ, closer to heaven, seeing more clearly with the eyes of your soul. So don't grow weary. Renew your vision. Shake off the weariness. Waken the heavy eyelids. Unlike the Cold War, threats of war, threats of nuclear war, the coming of Christ, the coming of the day of judgment is certain and it will affect each of you. Each of you will be weighed in the balance there will be no unaffected areas, no safe zones on the map. Every woman, every man, every girl, every boy must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So be ready and keep your lamp burning bright. Don't grow weary. Persevere to the end. Jesus says, behold, he is coming quickly and coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we give you thanks that you have given us much light. We thank you. We ask that you would help us to keep our lamps burning to the end. That we would not grow weary. That we would not grow faint. Lord, help us to be dressed for action. To keep our lamps burning. To be like those who are waiting for their master to return. Oh Lord, help us, we ask. Give us the energy.